0: It's all about moving the needle. It's all about making progress. And so this isn't a switch you're going to flick. I don't want the audience to feel pressure that tomorrow they need to be living their ideal life. Just make one little move in the right direction. If you just simply delegate one thing per quarter, you're going to look up five, 10, 20 years from now, absolutely doing stuff that you love. The EOS Life is doing what you love, with people you love, making a difference, being compensated appropriately, time for other passions. The EOS
1: Life. Hi, I'm Mark O'Donnell, visionary at EOS Worldwide, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of the EOS Life podcast, where we explore the why and how of entrepreneurs actively living their ideal life now, not later, and not in retirement. The world of entrepreneurial freedom and the impact on those around you depends on it. Welcome to the EOS Life Podcast, where we explore the world of entrepreneurial freedom and living your ideal life. I'm Mark O'Donnell, and our guest today is Gino Wickman, author of The Traction Library, Entrepreneurial Leap, and including the title of this podcast, The EOS Life, available now. It's an honor
0: and a privilege to have you as a guest on the show. Welcome, Gino. Thank you, Mark. I'm thrilled to be here and I am looking forward to this conversation.
1: I'm so excited that the EOS Life is available and that I get to talk to you today about the book. You walk through five major points in the book that are essential for anyone to start living their ideal EOS life. On a high level, would you walk us through each of those five and explain why living the EOS life is so attractive to
0: entrepreneurs all over the world? I'd be happy to. And I like that you said ideal life because in its simplest form, these five points describe the ideal life, which you know my partner Don Tinney came to call the EOS life. And so now you know, many tens of thousands of us are living our EOS life. And so the five points are doing what you love with people you love, making a huge difference, getting compensated appropriately, and having time for other passions.
1: What comes to me when you list out those five things, I think most of the world thinks all entrepreneurs are living that ideal life mm-hmm. already.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And you ever hear the, the story of the entrepreneur riding a lion? No. The visual of an entrepreneur sitting on a lion and people are looking at this guy and they're like, man, he's got it all together. He's so brave and courageous. And wow, look at that. And the entrepreneur sitting on the line think, hey, I'm riding a lion how the hell did I get on a lion? And what do I do for, to keep from getting eaten? And that's kind of the, an interesting thing as you, you go through the, the yeah, EOS I mean, if, life. If I and, can piggyback on that, yeah.
0: you know, it's, it goes back to why I started all of this and why I realized that I was going to spend my life helping entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial leaders is I was in my YEO forum, now known as EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization. I was surrounded by these fellow entrepreneurs and about a year and a half into the process as we met every month as a group I realized holy cow man these guys are as screwed up as I am and and I saw opportunity so that's exactly it most entrepreneurs they're great at that external facade and presenting mm-hmm. to the world that they've got it all together but the truth is most are screwed up and that's what sparked my passion because I knew there was a better way. I knew they could have a better life. I knew they could take control of their business. And so I set out, you know, 25 years ago to accomplish exactly that.
1: It's really interesting because I've been reading in the news lately about entrepreneurs and their mental health. And it turns out that entrepreneurs as a group are really some of the most unhappy people on the planet. And the data is that they're two times more likely to suffer from depression, they're six times more likely to have ADHD they're three times more likely to struggle with addiction and 11 times more likely to receive a bipolar diagnosis. Has that been your observation working with entrepreneurs all these years?
0: Yeah, that that prompts a few things for me. You know, the EOS audience, if you will, it's typically leadership team members. And right now we're focusing on the entrepreneur. And I do think that that's the primary audience for EOS Life. But what I really want to make clear is that this is also for leadership team members. And for savvy leaders that really get this content, it's also for every single person in your organization. And so when we talk about this EOS life and this opportunity to live the ideal life, frankly, the entrepreneur does have the biggest and best opportunity to do that. The leadership team has the second best opportunity to do that. And the employees have the third opportunity. It's a little different, a little tricky. But again, when when, when that audience is savvy enough, you can apply this to anyone on the planet and then coming back to your point about entrepreneurs you know what you're describing it's so near and dear to my heart and tugs at my heartstrings because most entrepreneurs are screwed up you know i, I say that i said that ten thousand times i am screwed up you are screwed up i know you well you know me well and so one little sliver is there's a book called the hypomanic edge that i'm very fond of because when i read that book it was like a light bulb moment because it helped me understand the brain of an entrepreneur. It helped me understand my brain. And, and and it's this hypomania that most entrepreneurs suffer from, but it is a gift because the book is all about how this is a gift. Mm-hmm. And it goes through entrepreneurs over the last 200 years and shows their hypomanic edge. And it's, and it, again, that, that hypomanic edge is periods of incredible energy and creativity and then big crashes that come. And it's all mm-hmm. about just managing that. And so, yes, most entrepreneurs suffer from that. You know, there's a form of depression in there. There is a lot of addiction. And so it is heartbreaking, but true. So, yeah, the entrepreneurs aren't these perfect people. You know, they're a little bit crazy.
1: When you think about the company and everyone in it, Does the entrepreneur, the leader of that organization, do you think they need to lead by example in these disciplines of living the EOS life, their ideal life before the leadership team can get on their path and then the entire organization behind them?
0: Yeah, it's great question, because that's what I mean by savvy when I use that word savvy. You know, Mm -hmm. I believe the fastest way that everyone in an organization can be living their EOS life, AKA their ideal life, is by first, yes, that entrepreneur at the helm of the organization living their ideal life and their EOS life. Because if they are living their ideal life, they are the example, but also, They're combating all these issues you and I just talked about. They're a little less crazy. They're a little less manic. And so all of a sudden, they're this wonderful example from there. Now that entrepreneur is savvy enough to live their ideal life. They're an example to that leadership team. And that leadership team wants that life. And assuming that entrepreneur gives them the freedom to live that life, all of a sudden, they are then the example for their people that see them. And again, hopefully they give the freedom to their people to live their ideal life. And this, and again, the savviness is you really have to understand and get good at this before you can teach it to anyone. And so, you know, that's almost like the perfect chain of events. It's never perfect. And so there will be an employee that picks up this book and, and, and starts a movement. There'll be a leadership team member that picks it up and starts a movement and reigns in the visionary entrepreneur to do it. So it'll start and spawn all different ways, but that would be the ideal scenario. And yes, the faster a leader is the example, the faster it will spread. And then there's, I'll, I'll jump all the way to the end of this book. And I have a dream and that dream is that, you know, everyone lives their ideal life, but it's the idea is if you can just do this and Motivate and inspire two other people to do this, and then they do the same, and motivate and inspire two people, and they do the same. Oh, what a world it would be! And so, you know, you're describing utopia that I hope we can achieve here, and what I 100% believe is truly possible,
1: as do I. And one thing that comes to mind is that if you're listening to this podcast and you're that visionary entrepreneur, in a lot of ways, you owe living your ideal life. You owe living the EOS life to your leadership team and to your people. Because if you don't, they're, they're not going to see the example. If they don't think it's possible for you, they're not going to think it's possible for themselves. And it's going to just create a little bit of downward momentum, I think.
0: Yeah. And, and, but now let's all of a sudden on that point, let's go to what the biggest barrier in that happening is, and that is feeling they deserve it. So the reality of it is what I've just described to you and what the EOS life is, most human beings will have a negative reaction. And that negative reaction is, wow, that seems selfish. Wow, that seems... So whatever it is, and I'm not smart enough, and I'm not a psychologist to understand exactly what's going on in that brain, that when you see something like this, your reaction is, I don't deserve that or that seems selfish. The reality of it is it's the most unselfish thing you can do because Mm -hmm. it is going to impact so many lives in such a positive way. You owe it to yourself to do this. And, and, And so it's not selfish. Number one, number two, with that whole point about, you know, I don't feel worthy of this. There's something in there that happened to you in your life that you're feeling less than. And so I always impassionately say to anyone listening, you deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. You truly do deserve this. And, and so I hope that message will be heard and we can break through that psychological barrier so we can open up the floodgates to people living their ideal life and helping a whole heck of a lot of people.
1: Was there any point in time where you're like, I don't deserve it? And what was the point in time where you made the discovery that you had to actually sell yourself on the that this is possible for you?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think I was pretty fortunate in that you know, I had a lot of insecurities growing up and I was a pretty insecure guy, you know, from 18 to 25. And so those insecurities, I don't think they ever made me feel unworthy. I lacked some confidence as a result of it, but I was fortunate enough to really grab on to the world of success and really believe I deserve success. And I was ready to bust my ass to go find success. So I think I'm cut cut from a little different cloth than most of the world that feels they're unworthy. So I really can't speak to that. But there is one story I always like to share that was a breakthrough moment for me, because with that determination and that success mentality and wanting to be successful, all I did was freaking work in my 20s. I was, a, I was a student, I was a fanatic about learning, and I worked my ass off. So what happened is, married by 23. We were having kids by 24. And when my daughter was four years old, I was 28 plus or minus a year on both of those. I was leaving for work, went out to my car in the driveway, opened the door. My daughter comes out of the house and comes up to the door where I'm looking down at her sitting in my car. And, and she looks at me up at me and she says, dad, are you going home? Oh. And, and and my heart just sunk and it was like I got punched in the face and I looked at her and I said, sweetie, daddy lives here. I'm going to work. And, and so that was my aha moment where all this hard work. That was my wake up call that I needed to now balance this with a personal life. And that changed my life. So a little different than what you're asking. But that definitely put me on a course to really and truly live an ideal life as opposed to working really hard making a ton of money, which I would have been deemed successful from most scorecards, but the balance of life wouldn't have been there. And uh, once I added that balance of life, amen, and hallelujah, I missed, it was truly an ideal life from there.
1: So I think it's interesting because you, you talk about uh, your dad a lot in the book, and you mentioned having this success language, if you will, growing up throughout your life. Uh, Do you think that is sort of you were already tuned into that world? Is that really where that's coming from?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know exactly because I really didn't know what my dad did until I was about 21 years old. That's when I really started to understand. And he was an incredible, he is an incredible entrepreneur. He's still with us. I made that sound like he wasn't. Uh, (laughs) Incredible entrepreneur, built an amazing sales training company, number one real estate sales training company in North America. He's a hall of fame speaker in the National Speakers Association. So, There's no question. How do I not feel that energy, you know, in a household for 21 years, but it wasn't until I was 21 until I knew what he did. And once I saw what he did, man, I wanted to be a part of that, learn that world. So I think it's certainly in my genes that I had that, but it's not like he was, you know, teaching me every day, every week, every month at home as my dad, he was just working hard, being an entrepreneur and something rubbed off on me. Because yes. <laughs> I had this burning desire to be successful.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, looking at the the five points, going back to the EOS life. Number 1 is doing what you love. Yeah. For the listener, could you just take us through how they should be thinking about doing what they love and, and what's the discipline? Cuz I think all these these five things are disciplines that it is a journey, it's not a destination. What would you have the listener do as they think about doing what they love?
0: Yeah, great. So um, I want to create a little context because, you know, now I trust we'll go through each of the five right now. And I want to I want to accomplish maybe two things inside of each one. And one is to share with the audience the EOS tool that helps them be successful in that particular point of the EOS life. Then I want them to kind of score themselves as to where they are. But to back up to the context, I think what's important to know here is The EOS life is a byproduct of implementing EOS in your business, and it's something I never intended. It's not like I, when I was creating EOS, I anticipated that it would help people live their ideal lives. It just kind of happened, and it was a discovery that we made, and it was Ultimately, my partner, Don Tenney, who saw it clearest, he's the one that named those five points. And I kept shrugging it off for years and years and years because I was just focused on business. Let's make let's let's help these people have the best run businesses on the planet. So anyway, long story short what I realized was happening is we were helping people to live their ideal life. And the way I like to describe it is that we trick you to live your ideal life because we teach you a tool. We force you to implement this tool and the byproduct is a better life. And so I want to share what those tools are because I'm trusting we're talking to an EOS audience here. So I'll share the tool with you and then, and then we'll kind of rate where you are. And so to answer your question now directly doing what you love, there's, You know, a lot of things that happen in EOS, but there's really two key tools that we kind of force you to do what you love. The first is called delegate and elevate. That's that four quadrant exercise where you're listing everything you do and deciding which of the four quadrants all you do goes into. And again, that upper left quadrant is all the stuff you love to do and you're great at. Upper right is like to do good at. Bottom left is you're good at it, but you don't like doing it bottom right is don't like doing it, not good at. So let's not get too caught up in all that detail for those of you listening, but if you just picture deciding out of the laundry list of stuff you do, putting it all in its appropriate quadrant, the idea is to get to the the things to bubble to the surface that are the things that you absolutely love to do and you're great at doing. So you start spending more and more and more time there. So just please take that tool very, very serious. We make every client fill out that tool. And again, we're forcing them, tricking them, pushing them toward living that ideal life, doing what they love part one. And then part two is the accountability chart. When we then, decide all the seats in the organization, all those functions and roles and making sure that everybody that's sitting in that seat gets it, wants it, has the capacity to do that particular job. So all of a sudden, we're putting everyone in their sweet spot. They're aware of doing what they love and what they're great at. And all of a sudden, you look up one day and you're going, holy cow, I'm spending some percentage more of my time doing the stuff I love than what I was doing a year or two ago. And then the last little contextual point I want to share as we go through each of the five is that it's all about moving the needle. It's all about making progress. And so this isn't a switch you're gonna flick. I don't want the audience to feel pressure that tomorrow they need to be living their ideal life. Just make one little move in the right direction. If you just simply delegate one thing per quarter, you're gonna look up five, 10, 20 years from now, absolutely doing stuff that you love. So that's what I would say there. And then to, to pin it down, you know, I would just ask the audience right now to rate themselves, okay, on a scale of one to 10. So of 100% of your working time, what percentage of your time would you say you're spending doing the stuff you love and you're great at doing? And and if 50% of your time is spent doing that, you're at a five. We're trying to get you to 100%. You'll probably never reach 100%. But if you can go from 50% today to 52% next quarter, you are heading in the right direction. And so there's the the kind of the nuggets around doing what you love.
1: What's your current number right now?
0: I would say that I am spending about 85% of my time doing the stuff I love and I'm great at.
1: Yep. Uh, for me, I'm I'm about eighty percent as well.
0: You know, and then the other little fun thing I like to share this point about delegating one thing per quarter. If if if, if the audience were left with one thing in this particular point, just delegate one thing per quarter. I yeah. have been doing that for twenty five years, and it just keeps getting better and better and better and better.
1: And, better. and so. If you're delegating one thing per quarter, I'm assuming then that you're going to rate yourself and you're going to create the laundry list and do the categorization uh, according to delegate and elevate once per quarter as well. All right. Yeah.
0: You know, I'm a teacher at heart. And so what I hope is somebody can listen to this and it's going to create such awareness and context that they're going to start moving the needle. I mean, it's really hard after what we just said for the last five minutes. How do you not Get that it's such a simple premise, and mm-hmm. it's so common sense. And to your point
1: earlier, this could be anyone, anywhere. Uh, it, it, you could be a college professor. You can Here. work in construction. Whatever it might be, this would would work for for anyone. 100%. Really, at any stage of of life as well. One hundred percent. So let's go to number two, with people you love. Describe the tool. Describe what it is and what it feels like to work with people you love and the energy and how that feels.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So I'll do a little bit of a riff here with the tools, and uh, and you dig a little deeper if you feel like we need to. So with people you love, the two tools that get you there in EOS are core values, discovering your core values, and the people analyzer. And so simply put right now in this conversation, we're talking about working with people you love working with. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully you have discovered your core values as an organization and everyone in your organization has your core values, i.e. the people analyzer and everyone is at or above the bar. So again, we will start with clients that sometimes 20 to 40% of the company are wrong. People don't have the core values and that culture just feels Icky, to give you a scientific word. Hard. (laughs) And then all of a sudden shoot forward in time, a year later, all of a sudden the culture is alive and energy's flowing and people are smiling. Well, that wasn't magic. That was simply getting rid of people that just don't fit and have those core values and finding people that do. So when you surround yourself with people with your core values, you're going to be happier. There's gonna be more energy. You're gonna feel better. And so those are the two tools, core value people analyzer. So to take it one step further, though, you know, the way I always describe it, it's this simple. When you are interacting with a person in any aspect of your life, you either go away from that interaction feeling uplifted or drained. And if you're feeling drained, that's an indicator that this is probably not someone you should surround yourself with. But let's pretend, though, as a client, we got you to a point where 100% of your people are all the right people. They have the core values. The culture is strong. My impassioned plea, because I personally believe that's the easy part, is to expand your circles. And Mm -hmm. the first expansion is to then make sure that all of your vendors and partners are all in alignment with your core values and pass the test on the people analyzer. And then I urge you to widen that circle even further to all of your customers and clients. Oh, what a world that is. And then from there, I urge you to expand that circle even further to your personal life, your friends, your family. Sadly, you can't fire all of your family members. <laughs> you might want to try. <laughs> we exactly hear, here, because what a life it is. And, and, and we talk about this in the book, and there's some great stories from people who, you know, did some really powerful things in their personal life. Um, but what a life it is when all the people you're touching in your life are in alignment with your core values and then one other little nugget i'll give i always love to share i'll hold it up these wonderful core value cards mm-hmm. by think to perform is the organization you can buy them online but for someone who's trying to figure out their personal core values it's 52 cards 52 core values and through a process of elimination you go through those cards and you figure out what your five core values are three to seven is what we believe ultimately it shows you how to get to five so if you don't know how to figure out your core values, your personal core values out there, that's a powerful tool to do that. And so that's those are the tools, that's how we trick you, force you into surrounding <laughs> yourself with people that you love, at least in business, I urge you to expand those circles. And so again, here we go, rate yourself one to 10. And so 10 is that, and I really want you to apply all circles to this, not just business. Let's, let's take you all the way to utopia. And I want you to think about all of the people you interact with in every aspect of your life, a 10 is 100% of the people in your life are all in alignment with your core values. But most importantly, you feel they are uplifting. You look forward to being with them, seeing them, being around them. Mm-hmm. And again, if you're at 50%, your rating is a five and just move the needle. And there's some great insight in the book for how to move that needle and, and, and things like that.
1: What's your number now?
0: So my number... Is pretty darn high. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta say, my number is ninety yeah. percent. It's got to be ninety percent.
1: I would say for me, it's probably about eighty-five yeah. percent. One thing that is, is interesting to me is you think about your personal core values. So if you are, let's say, you're an employee in a in a company, right? And and you didn't set the core values for your organization. You you like them. You believe in them but you didn't uniquely create them. Would you encourage people to go and create their own or see if they can almost be consistent and adopt what they've been attracted to with their organization or their company? So you're saying
0: you have a company that has discovered their core values, and let's pretend they're an EOS client, so the leadership team discovered the core values, and now they're out there hiring, firing, reviewing, rewarding, recognizing around those core values. And you're an employee in that company. And, and so you're asking from that perspective, you know, how, what do I do? So, so I'm going to answer what I think you asked. And then you tell me, because the reality of it is you, you can't go change the company's core values. So right. don't even bother trying to do that because if they're a great EOS client, that's non-negotiable. So what you have to do is you have to decide, do you fit with those core values? <clears throat> and let's pretend that company has five core values those five may not perfectly be your personal core values. I wouldn't get caught up in that, mm-hmm. but you have to look at those five core values and you have to say, do those light you up? Is that the kind of business and company you wanna work for? Does that get you excited? Now, as an individual, you have your own personal core values. And and, and I would urge you to not like old your five into their five, mm-hmm. come up with your own five. It's okay in your personal life as an employee of that company, to have your own set of core values. I just would hope that there's an alignment there, again, where those company core values absolutely fit with you, sit with you well, you feel good about that. Mm -hmm. But you may have three to seven core values of your own after using these core value cards. And that is perfectly appropriate. And what I would suggest is ideal.
1: Yeah. Now, do you have two separate sets of core values expressed differently? One for your I personal, do. one for your... Yeah, I yeah.
0: And what happens, my wife and I, we went through the exercise mm-hmm. and we have seven. Uh, don't put me on the spot because I couldn't <laughs> rattle them off for you. <laughs> That's but, okay. but in our personal VTO, in our family VTO, we yeah. absolutely have those seven core values listed there.
1: Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, VTO is vision, traction, Organizer. It's the two-page strategic plan for businesses. And there's also a personal and a family version. Yeah, Um, the last nugget
0: I'd love to share, you know, is I I can't help but think of this. And so I think of, you know, somebody out there listening and they, in the next seven days, have a meeting set, a get-together set, where they're going to go have a drink with someone or coffee with someone or a meeting or whatever it is. But in the next seven days, They're about to go spend an hour with someone that is going to absolutely drain them, that is going to zap their energy, that is going to suck all of their energy and make them feel less than, Mm -hmm. not uplifting. Why would you do that? And I beg you to cancel that meeting like fast, okay? And you need to do more of that because the less you spend time with those kind of people and the more time you spend with people that are uplifting, you are going to be a different person.
1: Number three, making a huge difference or making a huge impact. Tell me about so, that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. So a couple of things here, I would say. So impact is all relative. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when in doubt, see the VTO. So your company vision traction organizer, because that is how and where a company is making an impact. And so you'll see the customers and clients, they make an impact on the core focus. It shows the impact they're gonna make on the world. So when in doubt, look there, you'll see the impact that you're gonna make in your 10 year target, et cetera. So, but it's all relative because from that standpoint and that entrepreneur at the helm of that business that they own, that's the impact they're making on the world. But there are so many other ways to do it. And so if you're a leadership team member heading up operations and you have 40 people in operations, you have an opportunity to create such an amazing department and have such an impact on those 40 people. As an employee in a company, think about the customers and clients you're working with and the opportunity of an impact there. In your personal life, the opportunity of a, the opportunity to make an impact It might be a nonprofit that you work with. So there are a lots of different ways to make an impact. Mm -hmm. And so the question that you have to ask yourself here is, you know, how am I making an impact? You just have to ask yourself that and make sure that you're making the impact you want. For me, it is all about entrepreneurs and then indirectly those entrepreneurial leadership teams. But I'm here to make a huge impact on entrepreneurs and help them live their ideal lives. That's what I've been doing for 25 years. It's what I will be doing for the next 25 years. And so just a question, you got to decide how you want to make an impact. And and I just don't want you out there to think, you know, well, you know, I'm just the head of marketing. How do I make an impact being the head of marketing? I mean, you have such an opportunity to make such an impact on the world.
1: And in, in the specific tool. So the company vision traction organizer, the VTO personal family, that's really the the tool to get really clear on how you want to have an impact.
0: But that's why I say when in doubt, mm-hmm. see the VTO, because yep. the, the VTO, again, when we talk about tricking you, that's the tool we're tricking you into saying, what are your core values? What's your core focus? You know, what is the passion and the niche of this organization? What is your tenure target? All of those answers are really talking about the impact you're going to have on the world, on people, on your customers, on your clients. So it's all in the VTO. And then, yes, to your point, it's almost like expanding those circles. Now, if you want to expand that, the personal VTO, the family VTO, those are great tools to do that as well. And then there's one last thing I always like to share because I'm so fond of this quote, and I won't get it perfectly right, but there's a great quote that says you're not, you can't consider yourself a leader until you've created a leader that has created a leader. Mm -hmm. So if you understand that bouncing ball, the impact you have, the opportunity you have if you are truly a leader, a leadership team member an entrepreneur, is to create other leaders in the world. And you can't, consider yourself a leader until the leader that you've created has created a leader. That's when you've completed the circle. Mm-hmm. And so just realize the opportunity that you have just to do that over the next 10, 20, and 30 years. And hopefully that will light you up in terms of making an impact on the world.
1: Very good. So the fourth one, being compensated appropriately. Yes.
0: Yes. So, by the way, let's go back to the rating because we didn't. Oh, yeah, we didn't rate it. (laughs) You and I being two visionaries and high fact finders, we're going to forget some of these things. But but so just rate yourself. So on a scale of one to ten, how close are you to making the impact the difference you want to have on the world? And if you're 100 percent believing you're making the impact you want, you're a ten. And again, going back to that 50% mark, if you feel like, ah, you're kind of there, you're kind of making an impact. So just score yourself. And again, it's just all about moving that needle because on that, I feel like I'm pretty darn close to a hundred percent on that one. If we're, if we're scoring ourselves, where where would you put yourself?
1: I'd put myself as a 10 as well. Now there's some quarters where it might drift down to an eight and to be open and honest with that, the reason it drops is because I said yes to things that are outside of that VTO. yeah. And yeah. so it starts to impact my energy and time. And so I just can't, I'm distracted, right? So when you get distracted, you, you, you stop making the impact that you want to have.
0: Yeah. As you're talking, I'm thinking about this. It's like right now in my life, every meeting, every conversation, every project, this podcast, every single one of those things is all perpetuating making an impact on entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial leaders. So it's heaven impossible for everyone listening out there. Yeah, totally. So possible. now let's go, to, let's go to the fourth point. As yeah, you said. Yeah. So so being compensated appropriately. And so, you know, let, let's start with the question, okay? And so zero to 10, 10 means you are getting paid exactly what you wanna be paid. You're making enough money to achieve your financial goals. And so let's start there because anyone that rates themselves low, I want you to be faced with that reality And then I wanna give you a gentle nudge (laughs) if you're frustrated with your current situation. So let's hope you rated yourselves a a 10 and you're good and, and, and that's wonderful. But if you're at a five, you got some work to do. And so first thing I like to say here is if you're not making enough money, if you're not making what you wanna make, you have to create more value in the world. You have to add value. So there's a direct correlation. And so the tool that we trick and force is delegate and elevate. So we're gonna bring you right back to that tool. And it's, it's scientific at this point that the more time you spend in that upper left-hand quadrant, the more time you spend moving all of your activities into the things that you love to do and you're great at, there is a direct correlation to you making more money. The VTO is also a part of this, where as the organization executes that VTO and grows, you know, a rising tide floats all boats. And so, you know, the people tend to make more money as the business is more successful. So. If you're not, you've got to add more value. And then the last little point, I'll come back to what I said earlier is delegate one thing per quarter. Like I said, I've been doing that for almost 25 years now. I have 30X my income in those 25 years, not to brag or toot my own horn. What I'm saying is that's the science that just Mm -hmm. says, as I keep pushing off what I call $25 an hour work and elevating myself to $1,000 an hour work, you make more money. So going right back to the point, if you rated yourself a five or something less than a 10, look at the value you're creating. Because as an employee, you just have to look at the impact and the value you're having on your department, on your customers, on your clients, on your boss. Is there a way you can help your boss make their life better, make them more productive? Again, you will earn more money. As a leadership team member, building a great department, becoming more efficient, making a huge impact there, adding more value, you're going to get paid more. And then certainly that entrepreneur for their organization, the more value they add in the world, the more customers and clients want them, the more valuable that product and services, they are going to make more money. And just as quickly, if the entrepreneur doesn't feel like they're making enough, they're just not creating enough value in the world. They're not driving value. So hopefully that all made sense.
1: Oh, it makes perfect sense, and I, I'm guessing that's going to be a little bit hard for some people to hear because it's a little bit of a, a moment of truth to say, well, you know, maybe I am making twenty five dollars an hour or or less, and I want to get to a thousand. It reminds me of Napoleon Hill and and Think and Grow Rich, and I think that to me that book in general creates a great context for ways to create value. And I know that book is on your list.
0: (laughs) Top three for any success minded person.
1: And yeah, and I would encourage anyone who's like, oh, I'm at $25 an hour work. I don't have the luxury of delegating to go read that book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And there's really easy ways that you can start adding value to other people and
0: yeah yeah and 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 i'd love to jump on that because here's Mm -hmm. something that's really important if you're out there and you're making fifteen dollars an hour and i'm trying to do fast math but 15 bucks an hour uh what does that get you these days 30 grand a year so if you're out there making 15 bucks an hour you're making your 30 grand a year and you're happy in other words you scored yourself a 10 i'm thrilled with this please i am not knocking that amen and hallelujah and Mm -hmm. we need lots of those people in this world and we have lots of those people in this world but if you're sitting there making 30 grand a year and you're saying i want to make 75 grand a year it is a very simple formula the job you're doing right now is not creating enough value and therefore nobody is willing to pay you the 45 dollars an hour or whatever the quick math is 40 bucks an hour Mm -hmm. that you need to make to make your 75 grand a year and so First of all, swallow that bitter pill because you, you can't you know, work your 35 or 40 hours a week, do as much as necessary and expect to make more money. So you've got to go add more value. And so it's the awareness that is going to, raise your radar to see, wow, value, where can I create more value for people? And when you go and do that, and there's great examples in the book of how employees have done that. And a lot of times it might be time you may have to go somewhere else. Yeah. You may not. You may be limited with where you are and you see clearly where you can add value, go add that value over there and get paid what you're worth. And it's all relative. There are people that are thrilled making 50 grand. And there are people that making $5 million a year is just not enough. It's all relative. We all get to choose. It is a free world. For sure.
1: So don't forget to rate yourself. (laughs) Ah, rate yourself. (laughs) Which (laughs) we did in the beginning. So that that worked for us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and for me, you know, I am, uh, I'm at a 10. But I am a capitalist, and so you know I'm happy generating more value. I'm constantly creating new things. I'm constantly generating new revenue streams. So I'm mm-hmm. going to continue to do that until I keel over.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm also mm-hmm. at a ten. I'm also at a ten. So and again, that ten is relative. It's just a feeling. And yeah,
0: and yeah. And I always like that. to describe it as you're making enough money to achieve your financial mm-hmm. goals. Yeah. So whatever that means, if you want to retire with a $100 million, do the math, and you're either on track. If you want to retire with a $100,000, do the math. But again, it's the traveling you want to do. It's the mm-hmm. way you want to take care of your family. It's the lifestyle you want to have. And so roll all that into one big number, and are you generating enough to live the life that you want? And if not, score yourself, add more value. And you
1: will. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so the last one, and time to pursue other passions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So do you want to yeah. start with rating again this time? <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: No, let's save that for the end. Yeah, and yeah. I think I'm starting to rate early so we don't forget, but <laughs> yes. let's, let's save this one for the end because I want to create a really nice context so that people can school themselves correctly. So time for other passions just simply means that you have enough time to do things you enjoy doing in your personal life. And so the way we trick you on this one is with something that we call EOS time management. And so we force every client to think about their 100%. And so we go to the accountability chart, you picture your seat in the accountability chart, and you decide what is 100% of my working time and everyone's different. I've got clients they are 35 hour a week people and I've got clients they're 85 hour a week people everybody's different. I'm a a 55-hour-a-week guy. That's what I've been for the last 25 years. That's, for me, a balanced life. That gives me enough time to be very productive at work and have plenty of time for my family. And so you just have to figure out your 100%. And so we take every client through that process. They ultimately determine their 100%. And let's just pretend hypothetically you're a a 50-hour-a-week person. What that simply means is you should not be working one minute more than that. Because every minute over that is time for your personal life to pursue other passions. Now, every once in a while, you know, you'll work a little more, you'll work a little less. But the point here is you've got to start to take control of your life. Because if you don't establish some boundary, it's just going to be this ever-expanding thing where you're going to work till you keel over, burn the candle at both ends, burn out all that wonderful stuff mm-hmm. that you, you know you hear about. So with that said, that's the tool. Start with your 100%. So now you're with this time that you have, you need to list all the things you love doing and what's important to understand here is this is not earth-shattering stuff. There are people that love gardening. That is their passion and now they have enough time to garden and 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 that lights them up. It it doesn't mean you have to Fly rockets, go hella skiing, go shark hunting. You know, passions don't mean race car driving. (laughs) They could. (laughs) Some people do have that. It absolutely could. And so, again, for me, it's so simple. It's bike riding. It's spending time with my wife, my kids, my friends. It's going for walks. It's going to the movies. It's golfing. It's traveling. So, again, you just have to know the things that light you up. Most Mm -hmm. people already know, but what's happening most of the time is you're just not carving out enough time to spend time on those things. And so that's what we mean. That's how we force you to free up time for other passions. And so with that context, I think it's fair to now rate it. And so you listening out there, you watching out there. So just think about a 100% is that you have enough time to do the things that you love doing in your personal life. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm absolutely a 10 on this one. I'm a fanatic about managing my time. I work 40 weeks a year, 55 hours in those weeks, and then the rest of the time I'm taking off and doing all the things I love to do. But when I'm working inside of that time, I am busting my ass. <laughs> and I love working hard. I love being productive. Yeah. But when I'm not, You know, I love doing all of my passions. How would you score yourself?
1: You know, I'm going to give myself a six on this one. It's a little bit, some quarters I do really well, and some I, I don't really, depending on what's going on. But what I am finding is that it's a little bit like Parkinson's Law. Parkinson's Law, everything expands to the time and space allotted, right? So if I'm not staying strict to that container... Well, everything just goes to crap and, and yeah. the work life starts to take over and I'm passionate about it. So it is a little bit about pursuing other passions, but it's not doing justice to the other side of my my personal life.
0: Yeah, and I uh, and I I so appreciate you being honest because I would have had to call you out on your own podcast. <laughs> if you scored an eye because I know you so well. Yeah, yeah. You right. know, for those that don't know, you know, I was the visionary of EOS worldwide. Uh, all those years. Mike Payton took over for me and was my successor as visionary. You're Mike Payton's successor. Yep. So you're our third generation visionary for EOS Worldwide. And so I know you well, and I know how you just get so caught up and you're so passionate and you can't turn your brain off. So, yes, you so cannot. This, <laughs> this, this is your biggest opportunity. It and is. And you're, you're about a year into the role. and You've got this dragon by the reins, and, and you're reining it in.
1: That's for sure. Dragon is a good way to describe it. Yeah, and, and what I think people, neglo- what I neglected to do is, how do I pick myself back up? And, and these five things are disciplines, right? They're a journey. You're rating yourself every quarter. Life changes, And so sometimes you fall off the the wagon, right? Mm -hmm. And so for you, what are those things that knock you off and could take one of those things from a nine or 10 to a five? Uh, And then how do you get back on the track?
0: Yeah, no, it's it's really good. So the, the most important context in that question is for everyone to understand that you will, that needle will start moving and you'll keep Getting better and better and better, and then there are quarters that it slips back. So it's never perfect. It's never linear. So it's mm-hmm. what you're describing is absolutely going to happen. You got to be careful not to beat yourself up. And so you're describing it as picking yourself back up. That's not too far off because you don't want to get caught up in some kind of depression that you know you're failing all of a sudden. It's yeah. going to happen. That's yep. the most important message. Mm-hmm. So lots of ways to do it. But if I think about the five, I want to try and give you one or two really good examples. So with doing what I love and, and what I'm great at doing, where I catch myself falling back is when I took on a project that is not what I love and I'm great at. And so all of a sudden I made a commitment and all of a sudden I'm stuck and mired in this project that is you know, zapping time, taking away from the things I love to do, zapping my energy. So that's one example of how it happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then how I get back to it is there's a great saying that says it's okay to live out of life or live out of balance in life as long as you know for how long and why. And so when that happens, I go, man, I effed up this one. (laughs) And so I say, but here's the good news. In two months, I'm going to finish this project. You know, so I'm going to be at a seven for the next two months in this one. And, and so I just give myself permission that I screwed up and I'm going to honor that commitment because you can also figure out how to get out of that commitment. I'm, but I'm, I'm talking about an example that you can't get out of that commitment. Yeah. You know, and then I think another example would be, so let's go to, you know, with people you love uh, and I'll give you three quick examples there. You hire the wrong person, <laughs> you <laughs> marry the wrong person. I, that's, that's a big one. But you, or you start hanging out with a new friend that you realize, you know, is just an asshole or something like that. I don't know. But all of a sudden you brought someone into your life that is just zapping your energy. So it's one of those three things. And and so with that, you know, it's the same thing. You got to say, whoops, I screwed this one up. Now I got to figure out how to get out of this. And you got to be very selfish and not feel guilty about getting that person out of your life. And so obviously if it's a bad hire, you got to fire that person and you got to replace them with somebody that's the right person. It's a friend, you got to figure out how to get out of that as nice as you can, but to sacrifice yourself because you don't want to feel bad or guilty and continue to hang out with that person for another six months, that's a mistake. And if you marry the wrong person, try therapy, but if you're convinced you (laughs) married the wrong person, life is too short short. to live the next 10 years in misery with the wrong person.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now
0: I've never married the wrong person. So that is not a personal experience. So far so good. (laughs) 35 years into this relationship, Kathy and I are doing just fine.
1: That's amazing. I'm in the same boat with you there. Gino, this has been a wonderful conversation. I encourage our listener if you want to live your ideal life, if you want to do what you love with people you love, make a huge impact, be compensated appropriately, and have time to pursue other passions, please pick up a copy of the EOS Life. It's available now at eoslife.com. Thank you again, Gino, for graciously joining us on the very first episode of the EOS Life podcast. And thank you for listening. It's people like you who are the reason why Gino and I get up in the morning and strive to live our EOS life every day. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you got value from today's episode. Remember to ask yourself, how long will you wait until you demand the best for yourself? How long will you wait until you live your ideal life, the EOS life?